listener. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Are you tired of searching all over the internet for just the right podcast? Well, Moose Media Inc.'s got you covered. If it's the horror and the macabre that sends chills up your spine, then Moose's Monster Mash is the show for you. Or, if you prefer hearing stories from pop culture icons of the past, present, and future, Bull Spit with Moose has your name written all over it. Just give me a follow over on Twitter at the handle Moose Media Inc. And if there's not an episode between those two shows that you like, that Twitter account is backed by a double your money back guarantee. And that, my friends, is no bull spit. Hey, far out. This is Katie Lee. I'm the voice of Baby Roll from the Muppet Babies, originally. And you're listening to Bull Spit with Moose. Hey, Paul. Look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bull spit. Welcome, Moose Pack, to an all-new episode of Bull Spit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. Today's guest has been an animation from He-Man to Henry Hucklemonster. He's been a part of many a kid's childhood. So, without further ado, let me welcome the very talented Mr. Keith Tucker. Hey, hello! Hello! Greetings! Salutations! So, how are we doing? We're doing good. I mean, you know... um, We'd be good. We'd be doing better now that I hit record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. But... <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, we're having a little deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment. Nope. It's always fun here on Bull Spit. Never know what's going to happen. No bull. I noticed in your bio, and again, deja vu, you, you've lived in Hawaii and stuff like that, and everyone seems to harp on that. How does that seem? How does that affect your work? Well, I lived in Hawaii for about twenty years of my life. I was living in Hawaii working on this little show called X Men: The Animated Series, and there was an episode that was set in Hawaii. And on the Big Island, in the town of Hilo, where I just happened to live, and the writers are my friends. Um, so I got the act to do um, that pertained to Hawaii. And um, so I, was, I really tried to put some island um, flair in it. That's accurate. And uh, there was another time when I was working on uh, Life with Louie and living in Hawaii, and they put me on staff, and the uh, HR people, or uh, production people, I guess, that ran the thing, um, you know, sent me their, my paperwork, and they told me, uh, here's your parking space, and, you know, in the garage, and, um, and I sent back a funny note, actually a fax with the drawing of, my car with a lot of seaweed hanging out of it. And I just said, well, just don't mind the, uh, thanks for the parking spot. and Please don't mind the seaweed. And they were like, huh, what? And I said, well, I live in Hawaii. And then they got it. And they 
didn't need the uh, to give me the parking spot. Did they fax you all the paperwork, or did they mail it to you? Um, FedEx. They at that time everybody used FedEx a lot, and uh, <clears throat> so yes, that's how it was done. We fed and we exed. That slays me. They mailed it to you in Hawaii. They okay, they mailed your parking pass to you in Hawaii. Yeah, I know. I always found that kind of odd. But, you know, um, the same person who packaged the envelope may not be the same person who addressed it. They may not have looked at the address. So, you know, but it was, you know, everybody got a laugh. That's all that matters. Oh, yeah, you got to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What started you down the road of art and animation? Uh, well, I, I, I'm like a comic book kid. I love comics. Uh, I always wanted to be a, a comic book artist. and I uh, even did some fanzines in the 60s of a lot of comic book work and but then you had to move to New York. And I was like, I'm from L.A. And now I'm like, I don't want to go to New York. <laughs> and uh, I kind of fell into uh, animation, you know, basically because of the film was happening in my hometown, Los Angeles, you know, San Fernando Valley. And, um, I, and I'd grown up with, uh, I had a stepfather who was a, stuntman on Bonanza and a few other shows and he um, I I would get to after first grade I'd ride my bike over to the lot and they'd let me on and they're like oh yeah Keith come on in and I'd hang out and watch film being made and so I, I got it in my blood I think and from way back and I uh, got first project film project I worked on was uh, the Conan, the first uh, movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And um, I was one of the animators on the demon sequence. Um, I, they brought me with Peter Curran and visual concepts engineering. They brought me in as an assistant and I was, they quickly found out I could actually animate. So I got a couple of scenes of my own to do on that sequence when the demons come and attack him um, when he's all tattooed up and the flames start and uh, and I worked on a couple other scenes doing animated flashes and flares things that computers would do today but we did it by hand and then uh, after that we moved on to uh, Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan so I started this all before. Yeah, I was, you know, you said I was doing it from He-Man to Huggle Monsters, but um, it was actually Conan to um, Huggle Monsters and also Casper's Scare School also. It was the last one I did with the uh, doing computer storyboards. I finally said I can't stand it and I'm a pen and paper guy and Says stop, I'm done. You put a fork in me. <laughs> but at any rate, so we're working on uh, 
Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I'm helping develop uh, the what we're going to do. We were playing with we were playing with different um, types of uh, transporter sequences because the director wanted something new, and um, we were playing with heat photography and and uh, wispy kind of stuff. Uh, I really pushed for some skeletal things like in this island Earth. And, um, we did a few tests of um, of the uh, those transporter sequences, and and um, so it was part of that development. And Peter Curran and the director came up with the bar light that um, they finally used, um, and I did the base animation for all the transporter sequences in the film, and a couple of laser blasts. Um, on the Reliant and had some explosions and I helped kill Spock. I pitched in. It was you. <laughs> I, 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 I just assist. I did a couple of animated flashes in that thing where he was being irradiated. Oh, and then the last two warp effects of the film uh, after the Genesis bomb exploded, I animated by hand, and I drew it all out, figured out these tiny little increments, had to make a cell for each of those little tiny little increments that we had to tape off and with black paper, put on uh, the oxberry, sandwiched between plexiglass bottom lid, and shot each one of them individually. And I even said, you know, a computer could do this a whole lot easier at which point Peter pointed to me and said, yes, but you're cheaper than a computer. Ah. So Yay! that's how I worked out. Um, pun intended. The, then we worked on John Carpenter's The Thing. And uh, I'm in the credits on that one. The other films are all piece of uh, Peter Curran's VCE, Visual Concepts Engineering, a blanket credit. Whereas John Carpenter said, no, I don't want individual, I mean, I want individual credits. I don't want a blanket credit. I want everybody who worked on my movie to have their name on my movie. So thank you, John. But I animated the rocket trail and the opening title sequence and helped with some of the practical effects when the uh, lettering appears. Then... We um, we were hoping to get the movie the right stuff, but we didn't get it. So everybody got laid off. And <laughs> friend, it was the wrong some stuff. Mine, some friends of mine um, told me about this show called He-Man, and they were looking for some board people. And <clears throat> that's actually what I wanted to do, rather than hand-drawn animated effects, which in retrospect were a dying industry. Um, and I really liked the idea of visual storytelling as a filmmaker. And so I apprenticed at Filmation under, on the uh, He-Man show. So I got paid to learn um, how to do storyboards the Filmation way, which um, involves utilizing the stock system of uh, we reuse a lot. <laughs> 
and, um, and very, you know, you, you try to use about a third stock and or work out of where you take an existing seed and expand on it. So they got a starting point or an ending point. And, um, and that was fun, but I jumped ship and, um, cause and went over to Marvel, uh, productions and started working on transformers generation one. And I was at uh, Marvel until they imploded. They did implode back then. It was a thing. Yeah. I forgot your question. I think I got, I sidetracked there. No, that, that, that's definitely how you got started. Oh, yeah, that's how I got started. Yeah. And, uh. and I, was doing, <laughs> I was doing illustration and advertising. I mean, I was always an artist. I'm out of high school. I, I, I was painting murals and, and uh, did a lot of them for about 10 years. And, uh, Paul McCartney noticed my mural work in, in Hawaii, getting back there. And asked to meet me, and I met him, and he hired me to do some work in, on his tour in 76. And uh, flew me over there for their big uh, rap party at the Harold Lloyd Estate. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only good for art. Um, I can just draw stuff or paint. Well, and in that vein, before we dive into your uh, your storied storyboard career, as it were, uh, you got to work with a couple of your childhood idols, Gil Kane and Jack the King Kirby. Yeah, yeah, Gil Kane um, and uh, Ruby Spears. Uh, we were in the development unit, and uh, Gil Kane was there every day. Alfredo Alcala was there every day. Uh, Jack Kirby and Roz would come in once a week and bring in his what he drew that week, and you know we'd all talk about it. What's the difference between designer and artist in storyboard? Because you have two different you have storyboard designer and you have storyboard artist. When I was working at Marvel, we here's a third one for you. We were called storyboard directors because, you know, we essentially would be a, a, like an assistant director. Our, our work would be gone over by a director and set the timing. But um, storyboard designer is a term I'm not as that well familiar with. Do you know where it's used? Uh, give me one second. I can bring it up. Ah, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Oh, they called us storyboard designers. Okay. I said Chippendales, DuckTales. Yeah, Chippendales and DuckTales. You were a storyboard designer. Well, I guess I was. <laughs> but it's the same thing. You know, it's just different terms um, for the same project. I mean, aspect of, the, of filmmaking. You know, you need to... Somebody has to take that typewritten script and break it down into cinematic terms on paper, and uh, someone's got to start it <laughs> with a blank sheet of paper with with boxes on it. And then you lay out the customers, and not customers. You don't lay out the customers. We're the customers. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I worked on a, a, a Garfield episode, uh, Supermarket Mania, and there were customers <laughs> in that episode. So you just lay it out scene by scene? and Well, more than that, I mean, you act. You know, if you have uh, someone, Garfield reacting to the customers and doing something, something's happening, action, reaction, um, even subtle um, hand gestures you try to incorporate. You know, the more panels, the better. So you're practically animating. Because overseas, uh, they trace off the storyboards. So they they really want them like, uh, on model as much as possible for the characters and as much for their, to make sure that things get animated. So the closer the storyboard is, the better, the better animated product you're going to get. Precisely. Wow. You had some pretty big pants to wear. Well, I, yeah, but I went on and died. Um, so, um, <laughs> I can't help it. Later on, we started working from tracks. Um, so, you know, it's like on Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs, we had these voice tracks. So, and, and Disney, too. It's like we, we'd actually start working on the show, and then the track would come in. Then we'd have to conform our boards to react, to, to make it work with the track. When, you know, an actor, in our head, we may think it's going to be, well, wow. And then we get it back, and that's, wow. Well, those are two different drawings. Yeah. And, uh, the subtle one is like something you'd see on King of the Hill with another one I worked on where Hank would go, wow. Damn it, Bobby. Take, wouldn't take but one or two panels. Uh, whereas if it was Pinky reacting to Brain and going, wow, Pinky could fall back, knock something over, could ca cause a Rube Goldberg bird. Uh, crash sequence so it could go in for pages <laughs> you know it's a uh, case by case just situation. by saying hi <laughs> hello nurse <laughs> and then you can go into many different drawings there and then you could have dot react you have been part of some major animation history I mean like I said He-Man and Masters of the Universe and She-Ra, which was, you know, huge for most people's childhood. And if you didn't, you know, if you didn't fall into that camp, there was Jem. Truly outrageously speaking. And, of you know, and G.I. Joe. Yo. You know, I mean, like each decade you seem to have managed to be in that right block of shows that really landed and have lasted. Um, thank you. I, I don't know. I was just lucky. <laughs> I, uh, I picked the right ones to work on. <laughs> they picked me. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you moved into the nineties. It's, you know, you have the, the Disney block with, you know, you, you did some stuff on Chippendales and, Dales and DuckTales and Tailspin, the Whee! real Ghostbusters, and then like you said, Garfield and Friends, 
and there's an obscure one you did an episode on, but you know that lasts with me, and that's Pirates of Dark Water. Oh yes, that was fun, and that was when I was working with Gil uh, when he was there. See, when we were on Ruby Spears' development crew, we we all had to be able to do different jobs, and um, and not only do the illustration work to to pitch a show, but to be able to work on those shows. And, uh, you know, we did storyboards uh, for the various shows, including Laser Tag, which I was kind of, I'm not thrilled about have, when I worked on it, but I'm, I'm happy that a lot of people liked it. Whereas Pirates of Dark Water was exceptional. Um, fun one to have worked on. It's one that never got a proper ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were hoping that more would happen. And there were shows that never happened, you know, that we worked on that were fun to work on. And, um, you know, the Ruby Spears catalogs and things are out there. And, um, but yeah, I've worked on some turkeys. <laughs> there was a, another show you worked on. I was wondering if you were a fan of the movie, and that was uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, look. They're, they're eating Bobby. <laughs> it's like, I, I, it was one of the campiest movies ever, but it just sticks with you. It's so bad that it's good. Yeah. You know, and then real Ghostbusters based on the movies. Yep. The I real mean, one. That, that show, and then when it, that show still has staying power, and the uh, artistry on it was phenomenal. Oh, there were some great people who worked on designing their, their first film, and, uh, as well as the cartoon. You know, it, it takes a village to make an animated cartoon. And, uh, you know, like these little bands that are put together and, you know, are they making it or not? We never know. That's it. You never know. Until, you know, it all depends on what uh, fans like. And, and you know, I, I had no idea until years later <laughs> how popular some of this stuff was. You know, I've, I've heard it now at all these conventions. And then, yeah, like you said, you worked on that, you know, little show called uh, X-Men. You know, little known show. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And uh, Larry was a delight to work with. I remember Larry, like, and get, pulling up all the here's the model sheets for your show fit these in somewhere and I go hey this isn't this quiet Keith just that's a character just do it <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's one of your incidental characters in the background okay <laughs> oh he he was very passionate about it oh I know oh, Larry's a great guy but yeah I mean like listening to him tell his stories you just 
you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat, just like, I need more. Tell me more. You know, so. What was it like working on uh, Adam's Family? I, I, I love that show so much that I was just in awe that I was working on it. <laughs> it was like, I enjoyed drawing Morticia. And it was fun. In fact, when I worked on the um, Adam's Family reunion the, during boards for the, the direct-to-video sequel with uh, Jim Curry as Gomez, um, I asked, uh, do you guys mind if I draw the characters not as actors, but as the way I drew them in the Hanna-Barbera cartoon? And they said, no problem. <laughs> I say that cartoon was probably my favorite animated iteration of uh, the Adams family. I mean, the cast was there, the animation was there, the humor was there. It encapsulated the Adams family perfectly. Uncle Fester was fun. He, uh, he, he was just out there all the time, crawling. I remember one time I, he was crawling through vents full of dust and stuff. And it was just, it was like pig pen from Peanuts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you said he was crawling through vents, it's like, oh, I remember that. He's doing the creepy crawly thing. You, you ran the, uh, you know, Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, and Tiny Toons run. Which yeah, are uh, huge again. I didn't run it. Um, that was other people in charge, but I was a storyboard guy that I ran along drawing storyboards. Um, you know, the uh, Tiny Tunes, one of my favorites was uh, the Ellie Lay tour. And um, that I was working with my old roommate from Marvel Productions. We, um, we had an office. We shared an office there. Eddie Fitzgerald, and Eddie directed me on that one, and uh, where Plucky is in the elevator and uh, pushing the buttons that only he can push. And uh, and I, I look at the views on that thing on YouTube and, and, and like go, wow, that really withstood the test of time. <laughs> Well, and that's the kicker with a lot of 90s animation is it's still, like, the style is still good. It You can still watch it today without cringing. Oh, good. You know, good. There, there are shows that have come out in the last five years that, you know, well, came out five years ago that if you watch it now, it's just like, whoa, you know, what, what, what's that? Well, I don't want to badmouth anybody on anything, but I do, when we were doing the cons, I constantly get, what happened to cartoons? You know, they used to be so fun, and what happened? And basically, I, I attribute it to um, the Telecommunication Act of 1996, which basically, prior to that act going, you know, being passed, studios could not own 
their own networks or networks could not own their own studios. As soon as that was passed, a lot of studios started being bought up by the networks and, uh, and, and basically the budget started being cut and, um, they started going for like flash animation because it was a cheaper way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember working on, for my friend Joe Pearson on space monkeys and, uh, he was describing it as he was this little studio, uh, trying to gather up what little work he can from the dinosaur droppings, the huge dinosaurs. and But yeah, once they owned everything and controlled the outlet, they, like Disney used to compete with Warner Brothers, there was like budgets were phenomenally high during that time period of uh, Disney TV in the afternoon. And the Warner Brothers shows, and uh, Batman and Pinky and the Brain and Maniacs and all the Tiny Jeans, they all had bigger budgets. And once that telecommunication act was signed, uh, everything, the budgets got slashed, uh, production uh, expenses, you know, we're not going to spend this much anymore. (laughs) We're not going to board these things this way anymore. Well, and... The other thing is the the audiences have changed drastically. You know, attention spans have gotten shorter. And... Say what? Exactly. Sorry, I joke. I joke. Uh, I joke. You know, because like the, the the new Thundercats and uh, Turtles were, I think, twelve minute episodes. Um. Twelve minutes. Yeah. Wow. And kids love them. I was like. That's a short, that's not an episode, but... That's shorter attention span theater. Yeah, but kids can't seem to get enough of them. Mm. And it's just like, are they easier to crank out? I I, I don't, you know, it, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's a mystery to me. And I mean, yeah, well, the, the, they're decent, not my cup of tea, but kids love them, and that's really who they're marketed for, so... There you go. You know, I mean, it's rare that we still have the animated shows that are marketed for the family. I mean, they've really latched back to the uh, animations marketed for kids. Whereas, like, X-Men, that was something, you know, many ages could watch. Exactly. Um, Animaniacs. There was something in it for everybody. Well, that was by design. That was no Spielberg wanted the shows uh, to be like the old Looney Tunes, which were seen in theaters that had to appeal to adults and kids simultaneously. And he he cited that as what he was looking for in Tiny Tunes and uh, everything, you know, to Roger Rabbit, all the above, you know. It's, it's by design that you can go back later and watch it as an adult and see things that you did not see. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you can do that with Rocky and Bullwinkle. You can go back and I saw one where there's Rocky and Bullwinkle are on a train and they and he's talking, yeah, we're by this place that said B-A-R. This person was all lit up. 
<laughs> Yakko is how a lot of people my age and younger got introduced to the Groucho Marx archetype. Right. And then Harpo. <laughs> yeah. He's there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how you got introduced to the Marx Brothers without realizing it. Um, now, I watched MASH. I kind of had it ahead of time. It's just interesting to see all the stuff that gets put into animation from pop culture that, as a kid, just kind of flies over your head. And then you go like back said, today and you watch it and you're just like, hey. <laughs> I saw what you did there. <laughs> like, I think the one that uh, runs around the most from Animaniacs is the I found Prince. No, I told you to finger Prince. I don't think so. Huh. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's none. You know, and, and yeah, it, it, it's just stuff like that that the, the kids think this setup is funny, and adults are like, <laughs> wordplay. Well, then kids get the benefit of you sitting there watching it with them and enjoying it with them, which is a very, very positive thing. Oh, yeah. And when you can sit down and watch something as a family and laugh as a family, honestly, it, it does the whole family unit a world of good. I mean, you know, they used to say you need to sit down and eat a meal together as a family. And, you know, I think it's almost as important, if not more important, you need to sit down and laugh together as a family. Yep. 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 You know, those are the memories and the ties that will last and carry on as people start to pass. You know, I mean, it's not going to be, oh, we had dinner every night. You're going to talk about, oh, do you remember when we were sitting around watching X or, you know, you know, you laughed so hard and milk came out of your nose. Take the time, make memories with your kids and your family and you're better for it. And oh, yeah. I think that's what we're missing these days. Well, we're not missing them in this household. Uh, we we have a small bubble with our grandkids, and uh, you know they get to see the good stuff. And you know we've been watching uh, Batteries Not Included, yes. everybody together, or Short Circuit. You know um, Johnny Five. <laughs> but we just. You know, a lot of the old 80s classics, um, although they didn't get into never-ending story, it just didn't grab them. Maybe because it never ended. How old are they? Uh, um, eight and five. Mm, give them about a year. Yeah, some stuff is a little too soon. Say my 14-year-old loves never-ending story. My nine-year-old starting to like it. My seven-year-old's just like, meh, it's a movie. Narnia is pretty good, too. Yeah. And we all have a good cry when Atrax gets uh, stuck in the swamp. <laughs> the cry that reaches generations. Of all the shows you worked on, do you have a uh, favorite? 
Uh, it's really hard. Um, it, it, you know, probably Pinky in the Brain is up there. Um, I was wondering. But, but, I mean, I love working on Spider-Man, the animated series, you know, Exosquad, X-Men. Um, you know, I had a blast of all these when I did them in Joe. <laughs> but I think I just said the top tier. Yeah. You know, those are the ones, you know, but Transformers was pretty fun. They were all pretty fun. Before we go, where can uh, fans check out your uh, artwork and learn more about you? Well, I'm old, so Facebook. <laughs> um, Tucker Toons, T-O-O-N-S, Toons, at um, dot com. TuckerTunes.com. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff there. Um, I haven't kept up with it a lot. I post a lot of stuff on Facebook. He and, does, folks. Uh, a lot of art every day. Jason. You know, birthdays of like Betty just turned, Betty Boop just turned 90. Yeah. She looks good for 90. Yeah. Wait till she's 100. She'll be a knockout. She's a knockout at 90. <laughs> well designed. She has aged well. Yeah. I love that. I loved her and Roger Rabbit, you know, which says, Yeah, well, I still got it. <laughs> yes, you she do. You do, Betty. Betty. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Roger Rabbit, I didn't work on the movie, but man, I had a blast drawing the comic book covers um, for the comics. That's right. You did the comic, you did do the covers for those comics. For a couple of years, I was a cover artist, and I worked on Rescue Rangers, and did the covers for the comics, as well as worked on the shows, um, and Goofy, some Mickey Mouse stuff, but the regular ones were uh, Goofy and Roger and Rescue Rangers. You have led a very interesting art career, my friend. Well, I like to draw. I still draw a lot. And uh, I've been working on some commissions and uh, this graphic novel that's pretty far along that I won't talk about. It's premature, but there's over 100 pages done. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, worked with Greg Palast on uh, this movie, The best democracy money can buy and i did some animated bits in there well listeners you know where to find him you can find me on twitter at moose media inc or on electronic media collective.com nope 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 (laughs) say that again i'm going to or you could find me alongside other great podcasters at electronic media collective.com uh Keith, I want to thank That's you for stopping and uh, bull spitting with me today. Yes, hanging out, bull spitting. I'll do some bull spitting myself. I tell you, stop that. What? Okay. Um, <laughs> I have lost my mind. It is gone somewhere. Oh, they mine left the... back in March. 
<laughs> they said, bring out your dad. My mind went with it. See, my mind said, okay, check, please. <laughs> and with that, folks, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. And if you didn't hear it here, it's probably just a load of bull spit. Until next time, take her easy. Take care, Mr. Moose. Ooh, that sure was some bull spit. But I sure had fun. Junior, you need help. Be sure to tune in next time. It's kind of hot up here. I'm kind of sweating. Yeah, I am too. I had to shut the air conditioner off up here. I I, I couldn't have survived three hours up here. I'd have died. <laughs> Bring out your dad! I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I'm just melting. Melting, melting. Yeah. Afterwards. And. <laughs> What's next? I keep... <laughs> we died. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Gee, Brain, what's next? The afterwards. That's the thing. When you're, you're a storyboard guy and you're, you're, you've always got shit popping into your head because you're reading your script, you're looking at what it is you're going to break down and and how you're going to tell it? You, 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 your computer brain draws upon all this myriad of stuff. You know, it's you know, people say, "How did you learn to be a board guy?" And I'm like, I think I read a lot of comic books. I watched a ton of movies. I like, you know, many other things and music and theater, and it all comes out on the page. Well, and I mean, that's how my brain fires anyway. It's uh, I think in animation, and you know, I, I have a particular set of skills. They're not very useful, but I have them. I can pull music lines and movie quotes out of my ass for just about anything. You know, I could, you know, put, you know, whenever, you know, whatever we're talking about, I could almost, I can equate to either a song. Or a movie. If you're in a room full of bored people, we would do this all day long. <laughs> oh, I know. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> hey, I hope you're recording this a little bit, you know, for people to understand who just storyboarding for the people wanting to learn it. And it's like it's it's an amalgam. Yeah, I mean, you See, just they, have to... Let you definitely have to let loose a little bit. You can't be you, you can't have a stick up your butt. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say goodbye because I'm melting. Me too. We're about to have a much smaller moose. <laughs> yeah, it's a meltdown. All right, take care, man. It's a oh, final uh, I'll, I'll meltdown. <laughs> I didn't. That's a good one. I didn't hear that in my <laughs> head, but it's there now. All right, take care. All right, take it easy. And um, Byron Gazerchi and and Sinus Nara. Adios, nachos. <laughs>